We sing, Jesus is the way maker. And as I'm typing it, you know, Jeremy picked up almost what I was typing, but I failed to just bring it up again. Jesus is the way maker. And I felt like the Lord lay on my heart. To make a way means that your life must not be normal. Because if you live normal, you're just living a normal lifestyle, but not making a new way. Jesus is the new way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. It sets us free, that understanding in our own lives. And when we are believers in Jesus, when we have Christ in us, we have God, Father, Holy Spirit in us. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. We need to be waymakers, which aren't necessarily politically correct living lives. Waymakers are actually opposite lifestyle to normal of the world. Normal of the kingdom turns the world upside down. So if we're not living an upside down lifestyle to the world, then we're not true waymakers. When a boat pulls anchor, it's called underway. It's making way. That's what we say. It becomes the waymaker on the ocean. So when the boat pulls the anchor, it's underway. As soon as it starts moving, that anchor's off the ground, it's underway. Even if the propellers aren't turning, as soon as that anchor or it gets untied from the dock, legal terminology is the boat is underway. The laws and the rules all change for the boats, for the captain. When it's tied to a dock or when it's anchored, everybody has to watch out for it. It has to stay away. Any other boat that's underway cannot run down an anchored or a boat tied to the dock. But as soon as you untie from the dock or you pull your anchor, you are called underway and all of a sudden a new set of laws and rules take place. And I want to tell you, as soon as it's fine having your anchor rooted in the Word of God, I get it, we need that. But some of us are anchored and we're just not moving. We're spinning in the wind in a circle around our anchor and we feel safe and we feel protected and we're all excited because, oh, I get the scenery, I get the scenery. And if you've ever sat in anchor, every time that tide changes and the wind changes, you blow around in circles. I feel like the Lord is calling us to pull up our anchor. And instead of, instead of being anchored doing nothing, of course we need to be anchored in the Word of God, but instead of being anchored, let Jesus become the helmsman and get us underway to become waymakers. The truth is definitely not always popular. How many know that? But the truth always sets you free. You can be popular and in bondage, or truth and unpopular and be free. Your choice, my choice, every day I make a choice. I, popularity, whatever. I am not here for popularity. I am not here for a name of my own or a ministry name. I'm, if I was pop, wanted to be popular, I would just speak a fluffy message to you right now. Make you happy, happy, happy. But you know what? And I don't mind fluffy messages. I think that I, I listen to certain speakers sometimes, a 20-minute message, and I'm a happy camper. 
But I want us to get underway, pull the anchor, have Christ as our helmsman, and start the boat moving, not moving slow, but moving fast. Because the faster you move, the bigger waves you make. The faster you move through the water, the bigger the waves make. Because the way is actually a wave maker. Waves. And then the people that are sitting in the anchorage, you know we have laws. You can only go five knots in a, in a, in a harbor. Five knots, it's about six and a half miles an hour. Because the boats that are anchored don't like to rock and roll. We came in out of the storm. We don't want to rock and roll out there. And then you get these guys that don't understand the law. And they're whipping around and ski-doing. And the boat is rolling. And I remember when Sharon and I and the kids, and we're grabbing the food as it's sliding back and forth on the table. You know what? Sometimes I believe every single day that you want to move somewhere, you want to do something, you got to get out of the harbor. You got to get out of the comfort zone. And you got to get your boat moving fast right out of that harbor. And there's going to be waves. Uh, and then now, out on the lake, when we go out, out, out on the lake in the boat, we try to make big waves. And the jet skis all love us because they're coming around trying to jump off the waves, you know? Make waves. If we fall into conformity, I'm not saying revolt. But I am saying make waves, become waymakers, be living a lifestyle of waymakers. Can you imagine going into the Safeway? Everyone's masked up, got your one-way lines. I always got messed up on those one-way lines because, you know, I, I come out this aisle or look in here and there's my product about 15 feet down. I can just slip down and, and people let me know that you're in the wrong way, you know, and I'm like, ah, it's at the beginning. But it's right there. What do I do? i got to go all the way down to this end of the store to come all the way back to grab one little product right here. It made waves. Every time I, I wouldn't admit that I sometimes would do it just to make waves, but I know I wouldn't do that. But can you imagine during this height of everything and they're all masked up and everyone's masked up and you actually feel the Lord saying, go lay hands on that person and heal them? Well, politically correctness, you can't do that. And you know what? That's not just hurting us, that's hurting them. We're to lay hands on the people and see them healed in Jesus' name. Amen. That's what we're to do. Sometimes you've got to make ways, because you know what? If that person got out of the wheelchair in the middle of the Safeway, oh, you're going to have haters. You're going to have people really upset, but that person will leap and joy and probably rip off their mask and give you a hug, maybe even a kiss on the cheek for crying out loud. It's like the Pharisees and Sadducees when, when, when the, the lame guy couldn't, they couldn't get in too many people, so they ripped the roof apart, his four buddies, and they lowered him down. And then the guy literally miraculously gets healed by Jesus. A lame man gets up and starts walking, and he's, what, he's excited. He didn't care if it was the Sabbath, but the religious leaders, what did they say? How can you heal on the Sabbath? Not politically correct. I want to tell you what, Jesus, the one who died on the cross and rose from the dead, he's not always politically correct in his walk on this earth. Psalms chapter 133, verse 1. 
Psalms 133, verse 1. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. That word dwell together, dwell means sit together. It also has a connotation to the word ambush. In other words, it's implying that how good and pleasant it is when we gather together, we actually sit in ambush waiting for something to happen. We're ready to ambush God. We're ready to ambush the Holy Spirit because one puts to flight 1,000, but two put to flight 10,000. When we come together, we are expecting, you might just gather together as a family, expect an ambush of his presence. Expect an ambush of his glory. Expect an ambush of his blessings. Verse 2, it is like the precious oil upon the head. The most precious thing you could do to someone in biblical days was pour the oil down the head of somebody. It's running down the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. This wasn't a drop of oil. This was poured oil. Verse 3, it is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the Mount of Zion. I guarantee you, Mount Zion is a dry, arid place. When the dew of Hermon comes on it, things turn green. Little flowers start to grow. It's a beautiful sight, and it smells gorgeous. For there the Lord commandeth the blessings. Where? Not on the dew of Hermon. The Lord commanded the blessings in verse 1. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren, for people, for believers to dwell, to live, to come, sit down, to ambush his presence. That's the blessings of the Lord. And that blessing pours on us. Because at the very end of verse 3, life forevermore. Like, this is not something that we can take lightly. Unity is not something that we just say, well, you know, we're unified. Yeah, we work with other churches. Yeah, we come together, you know, da-da-da-da. No, unity goes deeper than just the gathering of the saints. Unity will always cost something. It costs God something. He wanted unity for you and for me. But because of the sin of Adam and Eve in the garden, it broke the unity. It separated us from God. But Jesus Christ came, and when he died and rose again, the whole purpose, it cost God something to regain the unity, the love, the friendship from his people back to him. It cost him, and it cost him his son's life. Unity will always cost something. Unity, you can't have unity without the cost of something in your life. The first thing it costs is disunity. The first thing it costs is independence, separation, my way or the highway. That's not unity. Unity costs you those thoughts. Unity will cost you your way is right or else. You know how many times, even in family, the unity, it's, it's my way is right, and if you disagree with me, I'm angry. How many of you see or watch some of the news south of the border or even in Canada that if you do not agree with them, you are slammed, 
Stratton restaurants, they're yelling and screaming at you to say something you don't want to say. You might want to say it, but you don't want to say it because they're forcing you. You know what? I don't mind saying certain things or someone's name, but if they're forcing me to say it with the wrong attitude, I don't want to say it. Oh, well, you're just stubborn. No, I'm standing up for my rights as a Canadian and as a believer in Jesus Christ. Unity will cost you your way. My way is the only way to do something. So you see, unity is not just about gathering together and having dinner, coming to church, having supper together as a family. No, unity is so far beyond that. That is an outcome of true unity. Unity is a lifestyle. Unity is an attitude. Unity is a heartfelt attitude. If you feel that you want your way all the time, then you are a disunified person. If you don't get your way, you're going to be put out angry and frustrated, or you're going to let everybody know that you're bummed out because you didn't get your way. You're a disunified person, and you don't have favor and blessings of God in your lives. Unity will always cost you your independence. It does. You can't, you can't be unified independently. Or people come sometimes and, well, I have unity. Well, who do you hang with? Well, just God, Father, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Yeah, but do you hang with your family? I don't like my family. Do you like your church? No. Who do you hang with? You're an independent. We call them Lone Rangers. Ministers that are independent. They have no covering. They have no unity with other ministries. Well, Lone Rangers doesn't work it in the kingdom of God. If unity, in unity, you can push your opinions as the only way, then you don't have that unity. Does unity mean total agreement? Absolutely not. That's where religious, cycle, religious groups and other groups have created a false unity. I am your pastor. You have to do it the way I say to do it. Oh, you know what? Your diversity of opinion creates diversity, which actually creates strength, as long as you walk with the hard attitude of unity. See, it's so easy to walk with a hard attitude of a know-it-all and not have unity. Yeah, but I still hang with everyone. No, 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 no. Your attitude is off. I'm speaking to myself. I'm preaching to myself. I want you to hear that. Does that make sense? You're all blank staring at me like deer in the headlights. Biblical does not mean total, uh, sorry, unity does not mean total agreement. Biblical unity does not depend on conformity, but on harmony. It doesn't depend on conformity. We don't have, we have a, a, a set idea for our structure of the service, but true unity with God does not mean that our structure overpowers His will and His way. When we talk to our worship leaders, yeah, we feel about this time, but if God's moving, let's not slow it down. Let's keep going. Because we need to realize that our way of doing things isn't always God's way. And in spite of the differences in style and opinion of each other, believers can come together in submission to the Lord and worship Him together, even with a diversity of opinion. Now, I'm not talking about biblical foundational principles. Those, the, you don't like them, you don't like that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior, I am not switching to your opinion. 
But I'll tell you what, even amongst our own leadership, there's many things that we sometimes disagree on, but they're, they're secondaries or third sections. It is not important enough to worry about. It's okay. John chapter 17, verse 20. John 17, verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. You can say you're unified, we can talk about it, but if we're not living it, we have words alone. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who believe in me through their word. Your word, if you look at that scripture, it actually means an action of what you're doing. Your action is the word you're speaking. Do you understand what I'm saying? Verse 21. Oh, sorry. Yeah, verse 21. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. The greatest evangelistic tool is a unified heart attitude. It doesn't mean unity with the sinners. It means unity with the Spirit of God, His Word, and the brothers and sisters in Christ. You know what? If a denomination down the road has their perspectives, I love them. They are beautiful. They are my brothers and sisters. And maybe they're from a religion, more religious where they don't dance or raise their hands. I'm going to teach them in heaven how to dance. And they might teach me how to study more and deeper. Verse 22, and the glory which you gave me. So first of all, 21 talks that Jesus, that, that we, you and I, all may be one as you, the Father, are in me and I in, in you. As Jesus and Father are one, they, he wants us to be one. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. When you see that they also may be one in us, it actually is making a statement that if you don't actually have a heart of unity, you aren't actually with them. I'm taking the extreme. Okay? You understand what I'm saying? So Jesus and God are one in unity. He wants us to be in unity so we can be with them. Why? That the world may believe that you sent me. Can you imagine if every Christian group, true Bible-believing Christian group, gathered in unity? What would happen in our nations? What would happen in our... You know what? We would become one of the strongest political drives of our country. We would be able to change laws. In America, in Canada, it takes on average 2.5 to 3.5% of the population to make a new law. This is why some of the, the other groups, you know, homosexual, lesbian, they, they, they have a small percentage, but they have such a powerful unity and voice, they can actually change the laws of our nation. I believe God is calling us as the church to have such a voice of unity that every politician out there is scared spitless to offend us. This is a God-built country. Our constitution, our freedom of rights, our biblical statements out of the Bible, scripture verses. We need to start being waymakers. We need to start making some waves around us. 
Because if we aren't living a moving lifestyle, then you ain't got no ways going. And you might be anchored in the Word of God, but if you just sit there without pulling your anchor and taking it to the countries, the nations, your neighborhoods, your businesses, your jobs, then you're not making waves. And oh, it's a beautiful, comfortable. You know what? You're tired of rocking and rolling in the waves that you're making? Then go drop your anchor for the evening, but one night only, and then get back out and get the boat moving again. That's our destiny. It's our call. Why? Because look at verse 22. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. And the glory, the glory of God, the glory of Jesus Christ through unity. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. I tell you, that word glory is doxa. It's from the base of dignity, glorious, honor, praise, and worship. Those, all those words tie into doxa. <laughs> dignity. Not being politically correct, but walking in the dignity of power and the presence of God in our lives. Walking along this earth. Can you imagine? There's, there's lame and they're walking along this earth in the dignity of who we believe in and who our faith and who our trust in. The dignity of us following in the word of God. The dignity that we have in honoring him and all praise, glory to him, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the dignity and the shadow touches somebody and heals them. In the dignity of God, mask or no mask. This is our destiny. But we have to be wave makers. We have to be wave makers. If Jesus, he's the way maker, that's what we sing about, and Jesus is in you and he's in me, then we must be way makers as well. For we are lights to the world. We are lights to the world. I look at the transitions over my years on this earth of what we're allowed to do and not do. And I want to tell you what, I want to make sure that we do not go into a politically correct lifestyle, that we have so much fear to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we start to live in fear of laying hands on people and seeing them recover. I want to respect people. I ask them if they come up for prayer even here, are you okay with me laying hands on you? I don't usually touch them on the forehead, but I touch them on the shirt or something like that. As soon as I'm done the service, I run and I wash my hands. No, I don't. Exactly. The babies are laughing. You hear? Honestly, children of faith, looking at their parents in fear, they need to start laughing at us. Our kids need to laugh at us because we start living in fear of being politically correct. I'm not saying don't follow the laws of the land. What I'm saying is my laws with Jesus, with that word of God, they supersede all laws of this land. They do. They do. I follow the laws until they make me not able to follow this law. 
And if that starts happening, I have been in the countries, many countries, that it is not legal to preach the gospel. Oh, but we seem to be okay to pay for Brent to fly over to the countries uh, uh, where it's underground services. It's against the law that if they actually caught us, we stand a risk of being beheaded. You know what? We're okay for Brent to go over there and do it. And we're okay for the churches to do it over there. But heaven forbid, not in Canada. I will tell you what. We are following the guidelines of this pandemic to the T. But I'm getting frustrated and bummed out that you can go to Guilford Mall with thousands of people cramming in there shoulder to shoulder, and you can only put 50 people in a church that sits 365 legally. Something's wrong. You can go to the gym with a slightly smaller square footage than our main floor here. And put a hundred people in the gym, working out, sweating. <laughs> oh, but don't sing praise. Oh, Father God. <laughs> and you take your mask off when you're working out. You're dripping bodily COVID drops all over the place. Like I tell you what, something is off. I'm, I'm okay for two, three, four months, but something is whacked out here. Is not correct, but we're following. We're following. But you know what? I don't mind following, but I am not not going to be a waymaker. This is my waymaker. This. I want to take COVID and smack him, pow, and bury it in the deepest ocean. It's a virus. It's a bad virus. It's not the worst viruses we've ever had. When you read the statistics of over 60 million people dying from years and years ago from a virus, I, my heart aches for every person that died. But I'm at a point where I'm talking with some of my pastors in the First Nations communities in different areas in Canada, and the suicide rate is doubling, tripling, quadrupling right now. The drug overdose rates are doubling and tripling. We are physically starting to lose. If we could get the statistics together, we are losing more people through the seclusion of the virus than we have in the virus itself. And I tell you what, it's a sad, sad thing. Think of all the people that haven't been diagnosed of a cancer. Rapid acting. I know people that had a fast-moving cancer that died because they couldn't get to the doctor in the hospital to actually get diagnosed. They're gone. Hello. Exactly. Hello. Remember about years ago in our day and age, we'd always say, hello. Like, you know, when someone says something right, hello. Hello. Kids, speak it out. I want us to have the wisdom and pray the wisdom of the Lord in all of our lives. Everybody watching on TV right now, pray the wisdom of the Lord as parents, as uncles and aunties, as grandparents, that we are waymakers. We follow and we honor the laws of our land, but we are also waymakers, and we don't have to live a politically correct lifestyle. If someone tells me, and I'm preaching on the street corner about Jesus Christ, and they tell me to shut up, I just preach louder. I have freedom of speech in this country. How many of us are willing to get beat up for it now? Because you know what? I guarantee you some cities south of the border, if you do that, you will get beat up or killed. Are we ready? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, no, no. 
I can't afford to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to die either, but you know what? If I die preaching the gospel, I'd rather do it that way, be taken home, dying preaching the gospel, than sitting at home with my, my hook in the, the anchor in some muddy bank somewhere doing nothing but sleeping. We're not a sleeping church. We're a church of the fire of the presence of God. We are not a people that are destined to conform to public opinion. We are a people that conform to the Word of God. This is timeless. Every generation, this is the law. Well, I don't like the word law. Well, then, highly recommended guidelines. Because if you don't like these guidelines, the option is hell. Well, I don't, think, I don't think hell is a real thing anymore. If you don't follow these guidelines, it's hell on earth. And when you die, you might not be welcomed in to the presence of our Father. I tell you, i got to make it super clear to you. I will follow the guidelines. I want to keep us all safe. But you know what? You might get the flu. Maybe influenza coming here and gathering together. You might get COVID coming together. Matter of fact, I know a couple, they're seniors, and, uh, and she is very uh, high risk. Two massive issues in her physical body. So she's high, high risk COVID. So they stayed at home all the time, wearing their masks. Even when he left ever to get gas for the car, it was mask and social distance. He actually wore gloves. Every time he'd pull his gloves off, wash his hands with a high sanitizer. She never left the house. And in May, she got cold. (laughs) I want to tell you something. He said to me, masks are useless. I said, well, that's your opinion, your perspective. I mean, I have to admit, if you actually study how big a virus is as far as microns go, I'm very aware of microns. In our boats, in our third world countries we go, we use micron filters. I use a 0.5 micron filter to kill amoebas, bacteria, everything like that. I'm not against masks, but guess what? Guess what? What? The, the WHO are starting to say now, why is it when you buy a pack of masks now, it all says on it, there's no guarantee that this will stop COVID. Why? Well, I actually have a super special mask. I bought three of them. They do actually have a breather vent on them, so it offends people. But the reality is they don't understand that inside the mask, there's a material covering the breather. And then I can actually slip in this little charcoal packet that goes in a filtration system, which takes the mask down to a 2.5 micron filter size. Average cloth mask, 6, 10 micron. 
six to 10 microns for your masks. Surgical masks, same thing. They were never designed to stop viruses. They were designed to stop blood spatter and transfer. So I have this little carbon filter, 2.5 micron. Well, the average virus is 0.4, they say for COVID, 0.4 of a micron. Point four. If you can understand math, if you have a, let's just expand it to inches, your, your, your mask is good for, let's, let's say it's a super duper mask. Let's say it's even my mask with 2.5 special carbon filter that slips in there, plus a special filter in front and a special material on this end, 2.5 micron. Let's do that in inches. Or how about feet? Two and a half feet by filter. And a virus, on average, the COVID, they say, is 0.4 of a foot. So it's kind of like having a big screen door with real big holes in it trying to get mosquitoes. I'm not saying don't wear your mask at all. I'm not saying that whatsoever. Absolutely not. Because it still stops spit and that kind of transfer, absolutely. And you know what? It literally makes people feel better. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I wear your mask. I wear my mask when I, if I, if I go out somewhere and I, I go to a Walmart, they make me wear a mask. It's okay. I don't mind. It's, it makes people feel better. That's fine. But I, I just want to encourage you that your faith can't be in the mask. Your faith can't be in hand sanitizer. Use it, absolutely. Your faith is to be in God. It needs to be in God. That doesn't mean stupidity. That doesn't mean if, if there's an AIDS patient and here's their blood, I'm going to drink it. No, it doesn't mean that at all. It means be wise. But I'll tell you what. Where I've traveled and where I've gone, the things that I've seen, the miracles that I've seen, people that I've laid hands on, the literally disgustingly sick people, the tumors that are infected and oozing pus that stink something fierce, and my hand slaps on there to pray before I even think about it, because if I thought about it, I probably wouldn't lay my hands on them, that woman. But sometimes we need to move in the presence of God without our mind thinking it through, because you can't think the power of His presence. I want to encourage you. I am not against masks. I am not against social distancing. I'm not against that. That is the guidelines that we are called to follow. That's what our government feels is safe. They said the reason of 50 is because if, if a COVID breaks out in 50, they can handle it. It has nothing to do with square footage size because you've got churches sitting with no people in them that seat 5,000 people and they can only have 50. It's only because the fear of the medical structure says that we can only handle, and that's right from the head person, I won't say her name, the head person's mouth on a phone call that our pastors listen to. So I want to encourage you. I am sick of the pandemic. It's killing our economies. It's a real deal. It's a real deal. But you see this little girl? She doesn't need to learn the fear of pandemic. Matter of fact, I think if you she doesn't even need to wear a mask. What are we as parents? What are we 
as adults raising and showing Follow the guidelines, please. I want you to hear my heart. Do you understand? Some of you are looking at me like, Who, what is he saying? Follow the guidelines. No different than the speed limit. It's 100 out there on the freeway. 101, 102, you're over. Heaven forbid if anyone did 102 on the freeway. The guidelines are there for our safety. You get caught speeding, pay the ticket because you're guilty. Don't fight it for crying out loud. Poor cop had to risk his life trying to trace you down doing 140. If you're sick, you have a flu-like symptom, we recommend you stay home. That's what Dr. Henry says. We recommend stay home. And there's a lot of flu going on. How many of you know people that have had flu-like symptoms, especially sinus and different things like that right now? I know a few people. Protect our people, protect our seniors, the, the high vulnerable people. We must wear the mask, put, wash your hands, wear gloves, whatever. Let's protect the vulnerable. At the same time, let's raise up our people, raise up our community, not to fear. But to be wave makers. read here in, in John 17, 20 to 23, but in verse 21 and 23, we don't need to turn there because I'm only using parts. We do this so that the world may know that you, that God has sent Jesus Christ and have loved them, us, as Father God loves his son Jesus let's stand that the world may know I am not asking you to go out and get in fights with people if somebody says could you move away from me say yes ma'am yeah, no don't say yes ma'am I say yes ma'am because of some of my American years and I get people offended that I call them a ma'am yes ma'am I mean it was a guy but no I'm just kidding it wasn't it was a woman but that younger generation, yes ma'am, and they get offended because that's politically not correct. It could be a racist statement. Yes, woman. No, sorry. Yes, man. No, it's like, but if somebody is offended at you being close, just move away. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. That's where they're at. That's the paradigm. That's their space. They're at anchor right now. Since they're at anchor and you're not, it's easy for you to move. It's hard for them. Be the testimony. Follow the guidelines. Absolutely. But first, fight for unity in your own life. That your way, my way, isn't always the right way. And sometimes for unity's sake, in a family discussion, you just got to be quiet and smile. Sometimes for unity's sake, you, you just need to look at your wife and say sorry. Or your husband. 
course, we all have reasons we do things. But sometimes it offends someone. We just have to say we're sorry. Not for the biblical foundational things, but for the politically correct things. That's where they're at. They have to live with it. I want to encourage you this morning as we close. Pull up your anchor. Have Father God, Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ walking with you, moving with you in your boat. Imagine just letting go of the helm of your life and stepping back and letting the master captain grab the wheel and say, Son, I've got it. And then you watch and you learn how to navigate that, how to, how to steer that boat. And you sit back in honor of the master captain, the master plotter, the king of kings, and the lord of lords steering your life. But you and I are the ones that are on anchor duty. We have to pull up the anchor and start making waves in life. And the faster we go, the bigger the waves become. And so I pray, Lord God, today, that our anchors always are in your word. But you never designed us to be anchored in a harbor, sleeping all the time. And we pull our anchor in here today and it pull that word right into our hearts. And then we start to put the engines on or the sails up and we start moving. And we start moving. And we say, oh, Master Commander, it's your wheel. Take the wheel. And you know what he might say? Son, you take the wheel and let me put my hands on your shoulders. And I will guide you and I direct you, says the Lord Jesus Christ. I will guide you through the turmoils of life. I will guide you through the pandemics. I will guide you through the diseases and through the sicknesses. And I will guide you and teach you if you are willing to pull that anchor and start to move again and become the way makers. That these drug overdoses, these suicides, these depressions need, they need way makers. They need lights shining in the darkness. And so I ask here today, Lord Jesus, that each one of us pull our anchors today and we start living the biblical principles in another level, another strength in our lives. Many of us are believers, uh, but if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to tell you what, he can't take your helm then. He can't guide you and direct you. You need to give your life to Jesus Christ. And that's as simple as saying, oh Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in you. Forgive me from my sins. And lead me into righteousness. Amen. That's how easy it is.
the master commander will step into your life. And he might say, pull the anchor. And you start pulling that anchor up. Engage the motors. And you hear the engines. Faster, 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 faster. For I am the way maker, says the Lord. And I'm using you to make my way light and truth into the darkness. And all the people said, have a prayer team come up and you can come up for prayer I want to encourage you change something every day let's change something that we know needs change because I guarantee you it brings victory in our lives have an amazing amazing week and we look forward to seeing you next week